Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat MMA podcast, wherein we discuss everything to do with mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K. Let's get into it. UFC 288, Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. The first fight I want to talk about was Phil Hawes versus Ikram Alaskarov. The highlight for this pay-per-view, for me, was Ikram Alaskarov. Who is he? He's a Sambo fighter, and he's a beast. He's at middleweight. His only losses to Hamza Chemaev. He's got 14 wins, one loss. He's from Russia, Dagestan, Makachakala. I don't know how to say that. That's where exactly where Islam Makachev is, and I believe they're affiliated. After doing some research, I found on Sports Manor that Islam Makachev and Ikram Alaskarov are actual close friends. So the real question is, why should you even care about him? Who is he? He fights exactly like Islam Makachev when it comes to the striking component, but he also has combat sambo achievements, like full-on championship accomplishments, crazy shit. Uh, in his Federation Internationale de Sambo, he he won gold at 90 kilo at the at the World Cup Bulgaria. At the World Cup Moscow, he won at 82 kg in gold. World Cup Championship Moscow 2015 at 90 kilo, he won gold. He won gold at the World Cup World Championship Moscow in 2012 at 82 kg. European Sambo Championships, he won at 82 kg. I don't need to go on. He's only got one silver medal on his Wikipedia. All the rest are gold. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven gold gold medals. This dude is a very accomplished Sambo fighter, and now he's in MMA, and now he's finally gotten to the UFC. So, the way I see it is his style is that he strikes with you and then the second that you try and take him down through a panic shot, he'll stuff it and ground pound you and hold you to the ground for the remainder of the fight. It's a it's a very interesting style that he has because usually these Sambo guys try and uh, really favor their takedown. He loves striking. So he's gotten this massive Sambo wrestling background and used it to strike mainly, which is a very impressive type of fighter this guy is is he's he's a complete mixed martial artist and that's why I think the rest of the middleweight division should fear him he beat Mario Souza on the Dana White contender series and then now he's debuted in the UFC and in his debut he fought Phil Hawes at UFC 288 wherein he knocked him out two minutes 10 seconds into round one brutally so Knowing this, he hit him with a 1-2 and popped him, and Phil Hawes went out. Knowing this, Phil Hawes is a really good fighter, man. This is a very good win and a very impressive way to start a UFC career. My question, my question is, what you really need to be focused on is how far does he go in middleweight? The reason I'm bringing this guy up and so adamant about this guy is that in middleweight, there is a scarcity of counter-wrestlers and really solid wrestlers in general. And that's where Hamzat Chamaev and Robert Whittaker come in. These guys are high level. They're A+. They're really good MMA fighters. Not really good. They're, they're the, the best MMA fighters in the division. 
It's too early to say that he can beat the champion or be a champion in middleweight. But what I do want to say is him against Israel Adesanya is an interesting stylistic match. Israel would have a striking advantage, but this does not mean that Ikram cannot land. Ikram, the more I watch his fights, he throws flying knees, he throws head kicks, he's boxing solid, he's very defensively sound, he's got switch kicks, he's got combos, he's a very versatile striker, and he's powerful. He's a big dude. He's six foot and he carries the weight interestingly. He's not like a, he's a bulky, stocky six foot guy. He's like, he's like Islam Makachev at middleweight, but they fight differently, of course. I see this this guy beating every single person at middleweight except Robert Whittaker and Hamzat Chemaev. And even that, we don't know how good this guy actually is. So it will be really important to pay attention to this young man's career. An absolute prospect in all senses of the word. As I said, his only loss was Hamzat Chemaev, which sent him back maybe in his career. He lost to him in 2019 April. This probably sent him back. He fought four times before going to the Dana White Contender Series. Now, this probably stuffed up his mental because he didn't think, well, these 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 Dagestan fighters, they love the idea of staying undefeated. A prime example of um, this occurring is Islam Makachev, Khabib, Umar, Usman Namagamedov, Hamzat Chemaev. The point I'm making about this is that there is an influx of undefeated Russian fighters and they love remaining undefeated. A loss for them is much more severe than a loss for another fighter. A loss for another fighter is a loss. So yeah, um, his loss to Hamzat Chemaev must have made him think about his career and really second-guess himself. And then when he realized that Hamzat Chemaev is probably going to be a future UFC champion, he realized that the loss wasn't that bad and that he's thinking of rematching him down the line, which is which is a perfect idea for him. After he knocked out Phil Hawes, he called out Bo Nickel. I really love this fight because it's going to be two wrestlers. If they can't take each other down, then they're going to strike with each other. It's going to be an absolute brawl. Someone's going to get knocked out. Most likely, Ikram's going to knock out Bo Nickel because from what I've seen, his striking is not that good. Bo's striking is not elite. If that fight doesn't come to fruition, one one person that I think he should fight is Kelvin Gaslam. If if Kelvin does not go to welterweight and he stays at middleweight, this is the fight to make. They're both wrestlers. They both got good striking, and we will see we will see an absolute brawl. Kelvin has chin and can take his shots, which will lead to an absolute war. It's just a really good fight to make, and keep in mind. Ikram is also the only man to ever stuff Hamzat Chemaev's takedowns in MMA history. I know Gilbert Burns exists, but if you rewatch the fight, you know, their panic takedowns, you know what I mean? It's, it's under different circumstances. I'm talking shooting a takedown. Ikram is the only one to actually be able to wrestle with Hamzat Chemaev. Now, I know this is early into Hamzat's career and he's and he was younger now he's much better but it will be interesting to see how they fare again if they rematch he is a Kimura expert he's got three in his professional record that out of his four out of his 
five submissions, he's got three Kimuras. This is a really interesting stat, and I would love to see him go up against higher-level jiu-jitsu guys in the UFC to see how he actually can work his combat sambo and to see what level of submission game he has. Chaos Williams versus Rolando Bedoya. This is a really interesting fight because of how close it was. Rolando is 26 years of age, and in my opinion, I think he has a massive future ahead of him. If he's that young and looks like a baby face and is fighting that well against Chaos Williams, then Rolando, in one of the hardest divisions in the UFC welterweight, Rolando has a massive future. Can't wait for this guy to get a little bit older. And when he's older, I can see him beating uh, Chaos Williams. This fight was way too close for, for, for how old Chaos's opponent was. This fight was way too close. I just want to make reference of, I don't know how to say his name, Nisekchukwu versus Devin Clark. Now, he's a Nigerian fighter, Kennedy, and he got the submission round two. I just want to make reference to the fact that he's at light heavyweight and he'll probably be ranked after this, which will open up a lot of different stylistic matchups for light heavyweight, as well as the rematch with Carlos Olberg, which is Carlos's only loss. So I would love to run that, run that fight back. In my opinion, maybe the upset of the year. Drew Dober versus Matt Frivola. Okay, so the steamroller, for some reason, has gone on a three-fight knockout streak, beating undefeated fighters in Otman Nazaitar, and now KOing the KO artist at lightweight, who has the most knockouts, knocking out the person with the most knockouts, Drew Dober with the greatest chin of all time. This is feral. He ended Drew Dober's three-fight win streak, and now he's calling out Paddy Pimblett. I would love to see Matt Frivola fight Paddy Pimblett, because guess what? Matt will win. Now, that's why the UFC won't do it. Because Frivola, every single time they put his back against the wall to lose to the the next person so he can get out of the UFC, for some reason, he knocks him out. So, very impressed by Matt Frivola. And once again, ruining everybody else's bets. So if you're on DraftKings or if you're on Sportsbet in Australia, you made no money on this fight. Let's be serious. If you put Drew Dober in your multi, you made no money. Moving on, Cron Gracie versus Charles Jourdain. Jourdain is not the best fighter at all. Cron Gracie is not a good fighter at all. And by that, you know what I mean. What I mean is that they're not going to be championship level. I understand that to the average person, these guys could destroy anyone. I understand that. Additionally, I know that they could probably win a belt, maybe in Bellator or PFL or something like that. I don't know. I don't know what promotion they would go to. But at one point in their career, they would probably be good enough to be in top five of top three of those uh, promotions or hold the belt. So I'm just saying for the UFC yeah, so pretty much a boring fight, but as you knew, Charles Jourdain beat Kron because Kron is atrocious. Yeah, so you can't be a specialist nowadays. It's a really bad idea to go into a fight going, oh, I'm just going to submit him or I'm going to knock him out because if it doesn't work, then you just stalemate yourself to a decision loss, either either split, best case scenario, or or unanimous in the case of 
Charles Jourdain. So I believe Charles is a black belt. He he looked fine in Kron's guard. Kron did not look dangerous at all. And Charles had really good striking. So a complete MMA fighter. And as as I said, a complete MMA fighter beats a specialist most of the time. Even Israel Adesanya is not really a specialist. People say he might be a specialist just because of his striking, but truly the fact that he's learned takedown defense so well makes him a counter wrestler. So truly, he does have a lot of does have a lot of good wrestling. It's just not the conventional type of wrestling, as well as we've seen him go for submissions on people. So contrasting from the most boring fight of the night, we've got the most exciting fight of the night. Movzvar Ivloev took on Diego Lopez on like five days notice. Not really. Diego took Movzar on on five days notice, basically. So Diego went to the Dana White Contender Series and actually lost his fight. This was an amazing fight. He Movzvar moves on from 16-0 and zero to 17-0 and zero with this win. It's a decent win, and he gets he's up to seven and zero inside the UFC with no finishes. They actually asked him. They said, "How do you feel about the no finishes?" And dude, Movzar isn't like another type of fighter where he's got an ego or whatever. He just said, "Dude, it's really annoying, and you know, I wish I could get a finish, but you know, uh, th- this is what's happened. You know, I'll get one at one point. It's just I haven't gotten the finish." He said he was looking for it. Yeah, really good performance and a dangerous opponent on his debut. He went in with the mentality of actually trying to rip Mozart's head off instead of thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the underdog here. He just thought of himself as this is a fight. I'm going to make this dude bleed. It's crazy. I really like this fight. And the haircut was atrocious. Diego almost... Movzar says that Diego didn't have a single submission on him. I disagree. I think Diego did have those submissions on him. He had a knee bar. He had an arm bar. He had Kimura. He had a triangle. He was all over the cage. And for some reason, Movzar is really flexible. He said that no one's ever submitted him in training and that he doesn't tap to any submission. This is really weird. We're finding the most flexible fighter in MMA history, Movzar Ivloev. That is what's gotten him so far. You can't submit this dude. I don't know why you can't submit him. He's like Islam Makachev on steroids or Benson Henderson escaping submissions. Like, he, it's not that, oh, you can't submit him. It's no, submissions are impossible to get on him. They're impossible. Like, try and knock him out. There's no reason to go for submissions on him. Someone like him and Moikiev just do not tap. Additionally, Diego landed a lot of really heavy shots on him, and his punches were very good. Diego looks like a complete fighter and looks like a problem in featherweight. Now that he's signed, I can see Diego being ranked. I can see him taking Mosval's spot and getting to rank 10 at one point. So yeah, where does Mosvar go from here? I think Mosvar fights Korean Zombie. Even though I said in my featherweight analysis video that they shouldn't feed Korean to a young up-and-comer again because it's a bad idea and it won't look good at the end of uh, Korean's career because that's a fighter that you need to, that's not going to win a belt but you need to take care of him on the end of his career and give him money fights like someone like a Max Holloway but if they chuck him up against Mozar, Mozar will probably finish Korean Zombie via submission if they chuck him up against Brian Ortega he'll beat him via decision 
He said that he wants to fight in the next two months. If Bryce Mitchell is healed by that time, his original opponent, he will fight Bryce, which is a very good fight, as I specified in the featherweight analysis video. But yeah, I don't think this is a bad win. I think this is a decent win. Diego Lopez looked way better than what we all thought. From the other part of the coin, you say it was Mosvar overrated this whole time. And to be honest, I don't think so. I think if you got wrestling like that, you're flexible, you're strong, you're quick, you have punches, kicks, you have a complete MMA game. He went for a wheel kick. He's doing wrestling. He's got cardio. He's a complete MMA fighter. I don't think that Diego's bad, nor I don't think Mosvar's bad. I think they're both very good, and I think you chuck them in any division and then, you know, change their weight. I think they both do well in every single division. So to be honest, I think they're both above average fighters. So yeah, really impressive win for Ivloev, and this is a standout performance that has put his city or place or town, whatever it's called in Russia, on the map. He comes from Odeksonikzevskaya, which is now named Sunza, and and he's from Ingush. Russia. I'm so sorry for how I said all of that. I'm really sorry. How the fuck am I supposed to say that? All right. Hopefully, hopefully we'll hear him say it. We can then learn about this place because if more fighters come out that are like Eve Loev, we've got future champions on the rise. In this episode, I just want to refer to the Canelo v. John Ryder fight. I watched the highlights of this fight, and again, it was just mainly a Canelo beatdown. But yeah, another successful title defense for the champion. And I would love to see Saul Alvarez fight Dimitri Bivol. I really like Bivol. I like his stance. He's as tall as me. I want to learn how to punch like him. He's 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 very good. Very a very complete boxer. Everything about him: speed, power, cardio. The ability to maintain the same pace with the same amount of power all throughout the whole fight. He's a very successful boxer. Dimitri wants to go down in weight. Canelo wants to go up in weight. They might meet in the middle. They might negotiate. I would love to see the rematch. They both want it. And hopefully Canelo can win so we can see a trilogy. But if Dimitri wins, it just goes to show you how good Bivol is. Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns. Now, as we know, Gilbert Burns, I picked him. Now, looking back in retrospect, we can all agree that Gilbert came back a little bit too quick, but Gilbert was looking good, even though he tore his bicep or shoulder or whatever. I think he's torn like five different things in his body. Very upsetting. That means Gilbert's never going to be a champion, in my opinion. If he's coming off such injuries, it's going to be bad. However, Bilal didn't look that good if he was fighting a one-armed opponent. He might have a chance against Colby Covington because the styles make sense, but someone like Leon Edwards would destroy Bilal. Also, Bilal's definitely taking steroids. He had acne on his stomach. He has a protruding head. Yeah, you can tell that that he's taking drugs and he might be an EPO demon because of, you know, Vicente Luque and Gilbert. The way he puts pace on people, he goes at like 60% for the entire fight and then at the end of the fight, he looks fine. So very interesting that he's put on so much muscle mass and has so much cardio now, very odd late in his career because he never had this when he was on the come up. Yeah. It went from a Gilbert that was explosive and ready to rip his head off to a passive 
uh, Gilbert telling Henry Hooft that he uh, can't move his arm. Very depressing. I was very upset about this. I still believe that Bilal is very bad because he st- struggled to look good against an injured opponent. So I think people can tear through this guy. I think Shavkat Rachmanov might have the style to beat um, Bilal because Shavkat, his striking is not that good. His wrestling is not amazing. His head movement's not too good. But he does have decent wrestling, decent striking, and decent uh, ground game and jiu-jitsu and submission skills that he can piece it all together and have a cohesive MMA um, style. Against Bilal, I see him doing well. I think it's the striking. I think he's too predictable on the feet, Bilal, and I think Gilbert exposed this by landing those flurries when he was doing his really um, telegraphed shit. I think he was very slow in there. I think someone that's quick, like Rachmanov and tall, will be difficult. I think Bilal won't be able to land head kicks on a taller opponent. And yeah, I think um, Shavkal put him out, keep that 100% finish rate. Moving on to the main event. So... Sean O'Malley versus... Oh, my God. I said Sean. Okay. Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cejudo. Sean's in my notes because I'm going to talk about him later. That's why they came up. So, Aljamain beat Henry Cejudo, as I said. He didn't submit him, which was interesting. It showed that Henry had a really good submission game. But in a rematch, it shows that Henry Cejudo wins this fight. You can't be going to a split decision with a guy that came off a three-year layoff and has... A different type of skill set. It showed that showed that Henry could mix up mix up things better, and he was a better fighter. I don't know about the striking. Like they seemed pretty. Their styles kind of cancelled each other out. Kind of how I said, even though I gave Aljamain the striking advantage, the striking advantage to do with length, whilst Henry having a better striking game in general. I would love to see a rematch. I think Henry Cejudo's got him in the rematch. Now, I want to bring up, do you think there should be bare-knuckle rules? Should there be an extra round and go to round six every single time we have such a close split decision? Think about the Piotr Jan 2 Aljamain fight. Who's going to win the sixth round? Think about the Piotr, Think about the Aljamain Henry Cejudo fight. Who's going to win the sixth round? If it's going to split decision, we might need to see an extra round. And to be honest, I don't see a problem with them doing that. I want to see close fights. I don't want to see draws. I don't want to see split decisions. I don't want to see any of this bullshit. Think about Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo. Think about how that would have gone split decision. They would have called for a sixth round. And then and then fucking Demetrius would have killed him. You know what I mean? So I think they should do this for draws. Kind of like Jan Blahovic versus Ankalaev. Wherein Ankalaev had him on the ground hurt and was pummeling him. Or 10-8'd him in the fifth round. Which is feral. That sixth round happens. Ankalaev wins that fight. The sixth round doesn't happen. I gave that fight to Jan Blahovic. I know that's controversial, but I thought he outstruck him. Anyways, I see. I think round. I think six rounds are fair. I think they're fair game, and I think it should happen. And if it's so controversial that the winner at the end of the sixth round's like, oh, "Are you serious? He won, but he was losing the rest of the fight." They can rematch again. They're going to rematch anyway with the split decision. They should have room there for a for a final round. Now, is this wrong to make someone go six rounds? Well, dude, fucking Hoist Gracie and all this other shit were going 30 minutes. Sakuraba in Pride, come on. Come on, they were going like 30-minute, 40-minute fights. I know that's not what 
the UFC is like, oh, you know, we're here for fighter safety and shit. Dude, the real mixed martial artists probably want that sixth round. Dude, Aljamain Sterling, who I thought might have lost the fight even though he did win, and will definitely lose to Henry in this in the sequel, even he would probably want a sixth round. If that went to a sixth round, Aljamain Sterling's got cardio for days, man. Also, I did say that he had a cardio advantage during my analysis of the fight. Yeah, so Sean O'Malley brought up that he sees holes in Aljamain striking. And he also thought that Henry Cejudo beat Aljamain. But we all know why Sean O'Malley has said this. It's the more favorable matchup for Henry Cejudo to fight Sean O'Malley. And Sean would probably beat Henry. Now... I think the way you beat Marab Devalashvili and the way you put beat Aljamain is you need a one-hitter quitter. You need to Marlon Marais these guys. You need to put them out cold. If you can't put them out cold, they're winning the fight, man. And that fight has been scheduled, Sean O'Malley versus uh, Aljamain Sterling. And the pick there, I'm going with Aljamain again, even though he's still shit. I would like to bring up the fact that Marab was wearing Sean O'Malley's jacket. That was probably the best highlight of the whole card besides uh, Ikram Alaskarov. Yeah, so Aljamain Sterling is definitely not the GOAT. Dominic Cruz is still the GOAT. Is he, the, is he higher ranked than Henry Cejudo? Maybe at bantamweight accomplishment, yes. But to, like... He's there, he's there with Hen and Barrow, man. He's there with Hen and Barrow, Hen and Barrow, Ajman Sterling, and then it goes TJ, then Dominic Cruz. Dude, you need to actually have some fucking decisive wins, man. Dominic Cruz was a good champion. Good WEC champion. Good, good UFC champion. You need to show me more, man. Even if he, even if he beats Sean O'Malley, I'll put him above Hen and Barrow. But... It's just not a good look, dude. You can't be taking everyone you fight to a split decision and, you know, fighting Henry Cejudo with... Sorry, fucking fighting TJ Dillashaw with one arm, fighting um, Piotrian the first fight and getting KO'd via disqualification. I watched that fight back. Aljamain won rounds one and two, and then Piotrian ran away with the fight. He gassed out crazy. I believe he didn't eat that day, but no excuse. I don't give a fuck, man, because in the rematch, they split decision anyway. So, no excuses. So, that means that he's got one DQ loss, one split decision. Sorry, two split decisions now because he's got one with Henry. So, that's one, two, three fucked up fights. And then he fought TJ Dillashaw and TJ's shoulder popped out. So, that's four championships where he's had bullshit. There's only two... Sorry, there's three UFC champions that have more than one title defense. And that are, they are Israel Adesanya. Volkanovski and Aljamain Sterling, but Aljamain is definitely not on the quality of these fighters. You can't tell me that Volkanovski has five belts and Aljamain has four, and you're like, yeah, well, look, they're the same. No, dude, they're not the same. They're not the same quality. Volkanovski is a top 10 fighter of all time. Aljamain Sterling is not there. Aljamain Sterling, I'd put top 150 max. I'm not liking what I'm seeing from him, and even when he beats Sean O'Malley, I'm not going to be praising him, and when Sean O'Malley wins, I'm going to be like, oh, decent win for Sean, if he wins it, but yeah, you have to put these guys out cold, as I was saying,
Additionally, I want to touch on the fact that Jose Aldo has only lost to champions. He lost to Conor McGregor. Keep in mind, he had his first loss back in the regional scene in Brazil. Yeah, so first loss to Conor McGregor. That was a champion, double champion. Second loss, Max Holloway. He went on to win five belts. Third loss, Volkanovski. He had five belts and Volkanovski's top ten of all time. Marlon Marais, that, that doesn't count, as we know, because it was a split and he got robbed, so that's not really a, that's not really a loss. And then Marab Devalishvili, this is why I bring this guy up. So all of his losses have been to champions, and he's got one loss not to a champion, Marab. Marab would beat Aljamain Sterling. Marab would give Volkanovski a hard time. Marab could go up against Islam Makachev. I don't know how good Marab is. Let me check his uh, age. Marab has secretly gotten a really good record. So since losing to Ricky Simone, he's got nine and nine in a row, making him the longest win streak in UFC bantamweight modern history. Now, when you include Dominic Ra- Dominic Cruz's fuck, keep on saying Dominic Reyes, Jesus Christ, Dominic Cruz's win streak that uh, spanned over WEC as well, then I believe it beats him. But as we know, he went up against harder opponents. So he knocked out Marlon Marais, TKO'd him, and then he beat Jose de- de- uh, definitively, even though he hugged him up against the wall, but it just got to show that he had good positioning and good MMA sense to put up against a really good strike and just grapple him the whole fight and win. And then he fucking destroyed Piotr Yan. So it's three good wins in a row. Marab destroys Aljo, and, and Marab hit a unanimous decision where Aljamain got DQ win, from the knee to the fucking head as Piotr illegally knocked him out and, and got a split decision win over Piotr. Meanwhile, Marab is unanimously beating this dude. Get out of my face, man. Marab slaughters Aljamain Sterling. I watched a video of Marab picking Aljo up and just throwing him, like, above his fucking head. You're joking. Marab could do well in any division in the UFC. He had the losses that he's had on his career have been because of lack of fight IQ and lack of experience. He lost his first ever fight. He also lost his third ever fight, and then he went into the UFC and lost his first two. It's a lack of experience issue. Since then, if if he loses now, I consider Marab as like some undefeated dude. If he was nine and zero, people would be like, "Oh yeah, you need to look on Marab." Just because his record says sixteen and four, he's on a nine fight win streak, man. This is absurd. This is absurd, man. This is a very high win streak. This is the same level of win streak that fucking um, Islam Makachev has and Leon Edwards has, including that no contest that Leon Edwards has. You you know what I mean, Marab could fight in three divisions. Also, I wouldn't mind seeing him move up to welterweight in the future and just pack on that size. I want to see how his, how his weight and his cardio uh, translate into the next divisions. But yeah, I definitely see him fighting at bantamweight, featherweight, and lightweight. And he can do well in all of those divisions. His height's an issue, 5'6". But because he's such a wrestler, he can get underneath those tall guys. His style favours wrestling. And also, he's got the best cardio in the UFC. We still need to see other people, but I would say that Marab Devalishvili has the best cardio in the history of MMA. And I'm very worried that he's on drugs because of that.
a worrying man that's taking on Corey Sandhagen is Umar Namagamedov, Khabib's brother. Or is it his cousin? I think it might be his cousin, yeah. His biological brother is shit at MMA. So Umar is a complete mixed martial artist like his brother. However, his kicks and his striking are way better. He'll fend a flying knee and knock you out with a left hook. He'll throw a massive kick. He'll throw a chambered kick. You think it's going to the fucking leg, then it goes to the body. But truly, it's actually gone to your face. It's in your face. I've seen it happen. He's feral. He's very good kicker and an insane grappler. So, really need to look out for this guy. This guy is probably the most worrying person to Aljamain and Marab. And now that he's taking up against Corey, I think they're trying to get rid of Corey and make him a journeyman. However, the pick is Corey, because I might need to make um, a little bit of changes. I feel like Umar Namagomedov wins this fight, but MMA Guru said that Corey Sandhagen wins. So, I need to do more research, and I'll get back to you guys on who wins that fight later. Yeah, you can't have split decision wins and have swing rounds in your fight and then go, oh... This is a robbery. You can't have any type of information. You can't have any opinion that says robbery. Think about Volkanovski Holloway. The first fight's like, oh, that was kind of harsh. The second fight was like, oh, he got robbed because it was such a close fight. And then the third fight, he shut him out, right? Aljamain Sterling, back-to-back, is going split decision, split decision. Now, I understand bantamweight is probably the best division for fighting in general, any combat sport. However, there are other champions in bantamweight that have done better. Think about TJ Dillashaw putting out Barrow twice, putting out Soto, putting out Cody uh, Garbrandt out cold. That's five championships I've just told you just then where TJ got a knockout. Are you fucking kidding me? You need to be decisive. It was a close fight. I picked Aljamain Sterling and he won. God bless. And we'll talk about fights later. Good night.